What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show, episode 28. Uh, my name is Paul Verzi. Today is Wednesday, August the 17th, 2011, um, and uh, I have an excellent show today. Um, every show is excellent, actually, okay, and you Verzi Effect listeners know that, but this one... Um, I got a lot of great questions uh, for the new segment from my fans. Um, I have some really cool stuff that I want to talk about. Um, once again, uh, my guests who I'm waiting, I'm not going to have another guest until I have these people on. That's how bad I want I want them on. And um, my managers and the team from Cringe Humor, um, we're going to try to do it. This week I had the baby. My wife was in Chicago. I was alone, and I really didn't feel like dragging a two-year-old to my podcast um, with a bunch of guys sitting around either yelling or cursing or doing whatever, and I'm chasing around my son. I don't think that would have went over so well, so um, I am going to wait, but uh, either both of them, Chris Italio, David Kimowitz, will be on um, either the next uh, the next show or one of them, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to definitely try to get them on. So this is me. Again, I'm flying solo here. Um, like I said, my wife has been away in Chicago, um, from early Monday morning until, uh, tomorrow, uh, late afternoon on Thursday, and it has been me and the, uh, the little man, I took him upstate to my mother's, hung out there for a while, and, uh, he had a blast, but, uh, I'll tell you, this kid can really take the energy out of you, uh, stay-at-home dads, man, if, uh, Actually, one in fifteen guys, one in fifteen dudes are stay-at-home dads. That's a that's a stat, and I don't know how many of them are comedians, but I bet you the number gets uh, pretty, pretty different when you throw that into the equation. But my mom was great. She let me sleep in one day, um, and she woke up with him, which helped out. So, um, but uh, anyway, uh, I'm feeling good. As a matter of fact, not only am I feeling good, but folks, I'm not gonna lie to you, people. I am looking pretty fucking good these days. I am losing a shitload of weight. I am working the hell out of my body. Um, losing weight, feeling good. Here's how good I'm starting to look, okay? The other day, I groomed up, trimmed up my beard, got a haircut of whatever little hair I had, you know, made everything look even and nice. My wife, this is how I knew I was looking good because my wife goes, uh, we were talking, she goes, oh, yeah, she goes, yeah, no, you're looking good these days. You're really looking good. Oh, by the way, if you ever cheat on me, there won't be a second chance. And she kind of did it like laughing, and I walked away going, I am looking fucking good. <laughs> That's how you know. I, uh, <laughs> But uh, it's tough because like you, you work so hard on your body, and you're like, yeah, and then all of a sudden you eat something bad, and you instantly feel like a fat fuck. You know, because when you're eating really good and you're working out a lot and you're losing a lot of weight, as soon as you have that one bad meal that just totally brings you back to when you didn't give a shit about your appearance or when you just didn't care about anything, you know, you're drinking sodas and, you know, you're eating burgers. So, you know, you cheat a little bit because I don't want to do the binge thing where I eat so good for so long and then finally I say fuck it and I just throw down a pizza and a wedge you know, and like cookies all in the same sitting, and then you just gorge yourself. I don't want to do that, so I will throw in here or there like a burger or a diet soda, something like that, and you just feel like a fat shit who can't even sit in bed 
without feeling guilty when you roll around because your stomach is descended and you just feel like a, a, a fucking loser. I feel like being fat, there's just like, it's almost like you lost, you succumb to just delicious shit that you don't want to have your body work off. You're just like, you know what, the hell with it. I'm going to go with this fat round look for a while because I love eating, which is definitely funny. But um, I got to tell you, I'm sleeping better um, and uh, I don't know. All right, enough about my losing weight because I'm sure you guys could give a fuck. So anyway, um, this week there's a couple of things that I wanted to uh, to talk about. Um, one thing is comedy, okay, or comedians that are worried about getting. A lot of comedians are worried about getting things, okay, and I, I've fallen into this. Sometimes I still do. Comedians getting things that you feel like they're accolades that you need to have under your belt in order to, you know, industry kind of makes you feel like you need that in order to be, you know, you know, just to give you that sense of like, you know, you're doing well. And I got to tell you, man, if you work hard and you just do what you do and hone your craft and you get better at what you do, forget everything else. Nothing else. Don't let anybody judge you. Okay, I don't know whatever comedians listen to this podcast, but don't let anybody judge you on what you did. Okay, if some asshole has a comedy festival in Texas and like he passes on you because you don't, you know, wear a cowboy hat or talk about how you, you know, you want to shoot everybody or whatever the fuck it is, you know, don't don't just do what you do because eventually, here's what happens, I think. Eventually, you know, the cream's going to rise. People are going to see if you're good, you're good. If you get undeniably good, then nobody could take that from you. Don't let anybody tell you what you could do. And the best part is, we talked about this on the last time, uh, I talked about this, is how all of these bookers, they, they don't do it. Even these people that put shows together. You have the nerve to judge people. You never stood in our shoes, ever. You don't know what it's like to do stand-up, yet you're judging. Fine, you might have saw a lot of it, but... um. Don't let anybody fucking tell you if you're funny or not. Let let your let time and your progression and the work you put in and your writing and trying to get better. Let that finally put you where you're gonna be and 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 nothing else. Cause I even fall into it sometimes where I'm just like, man, I want to get on that show because this one and that one did it, and you know I've performed with this one and that one before, and I think I'm as good, if not better, than this one and that one, and I feel like that's what I need to be doing. Uh, and if I don't, am I not worth? Am I not good enough? Um, you know, do I not belong? And then you're like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Yes, you do. And then you go and you do a show or you get that set and you kill, and you realize all this stuff that you put yourself through. It's bullshit. It's stupid. Just get better. Just keep writing. That's what I'm doing. I don't know where, when this whole thing is over, where I'm going to end up. But I'll tell you what. I'm going to get better and better. I'm going to keep writing. And I'm not going to let some asshole who used to be a fucking mailman. And now he's got a friend who runs a festival. Uh, you know. I I'm actually just making that up. But, like, wouldn't it be something if there was a dude who was running a festival with a buddy and he was a mailman and he thinks I'm talking directly to him? <laughs> but, no, I'm serious. It's like... Don't let anybody judge you and, and have any kind of impact on your psyche about what you're doing, okay? You're following your dream and you're doing what the hell you want to do and you get better and that's it. You keep writing new jokes. Now listen, I mean, there's nothing that anybody could help you with if you never write, if you never, you know, do new new jokes, if you're not getting on stage, 
you know, as much as you can and stuff like that, and, and you're just doing the same bullshit jokes, of course you're not getting better. I'm talking about the people that are working hard and then not getting anything or, or funny in so many different situations and they're not getting the things they're supposed to be getting. Just keep doing what you're doing, okay? Um, somebody told me that Mark Marin was out in, um, in, in Montreal, and he said that uh, his podcast... Uh, Mark Marin has got a great podcast. If uh, you know, if, if you guys haven't heard, um, you know about it. The the, the what the fuck podcast, uh, WTF podcast. Uh, it's like one of the best podcasts in the world, and I'm sure everybody here has heard it or, or have heard has heard about it. But he said nobody in the industry has ever helped him in his career. It's all been things that he's doing. So if you're you know out there and you're just like, well, this guy got that and this guy got that, you know. Um, that's, that's crazy. Use it to motivate you and try to get hungry and get it, but don't let it get you down. You know, um, one thing that I did, um, and I don't know if I ever mentioned this on the show before, but I'll run through it real quickly. One time what I did, and I can't mention names here, but I, um, I, somebody called me up. I was like, oh, I didn't see you for the Vegas festival at the audition in New York. And I'm like, oh, shit, I must have missed it. I didn't even know. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, so-and-so from New York won. And I was like, oh, so-and-so from New York won? That's cool. And I wasn't hating on him, but I was just like, oh, really? Well, I, I perform with that guy all the time, you know, and I, I definitely do well. So where's the next audition? And like, ah, oh, you know, it sucks. You missed the next audition. The next audition was today in Boston. And I was like, shit. And I was like, when's the next one? And they were like, oh, the next one's in Chicago tomorrow. And I literally debated it, and to make a long story short, I drove in the car uh, that day at like 2 p.m. or the next day at 2 p.m. to get to Chicago like 15 hours later. So I think I had a day and a half or so maybe to get to Chicago. And I know that I drove from 2 p.m. all the way through. We got lost. We got to the hotel the audition was at at 5 in the morning. I slept for three hours, woke up at 8. The audition was at 9. I, I was the last one to go of the day. They picked me and flew me from New York to Las Vegas because I won it. Because I got so motivated and driven and I knew that if that guy won, um, I'm in the same kind of class and I'm funny. And uh, in my opinion, you know, um, what I'm doing, obviously I like better than what he's doing. And I got it, you know. And I drove 15 hours for a three-minute audition. Nobody knew who the fuck I was. And I just went out there and I, I did it and, and it worked. Um... So use it for motivation and positive things, but don't, like, some comedians I've talked to recently that were like, oh, I didn't get this, which means this person's going to get this, and, and I don't know what to do, and I'm down. And it's like, you can't, you, you, this business is hard enough, so don't make yourself, like, don't make it harder. Just do what you do and stop and realize what you're doing and realize you're following your dreams and shit, you know? I can't stand these fucking people that run stuff and book stuff and they think they have power. Meanwhile, they're these talentless assholes who sit there and judge. Because I saw something in a movie. Somebody said it was awesome. It was um, people that can do, do. People that can't teach or something like that. These people aren't even teachers. These people are just judging because judging they don't have anything. So they figure, okay, I'm going to try to make myself above the talent because I don't have any. You know, go fuck yourself, you nobody, and don't judge me or or anything that I'm doing. How dare you judge somebody that puts their heart and their soul into something and writes, and you are going to sit there with your Starbucks coffee, with your legs crossed like a girl, and judge something, you know, and you can't even fucking walk and chew gum at the same time. 
So don't let that get you down and just stay true to what you're doing. And that, that's something that I've, I've been doing, man, and it's really been working for me. And um, I'm starting to see something. And don't think you're as good, you know, all the time. One thing you got to do is just know, I always tell myself, I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do in their career because I have a lot of work to do and who the fuck am I? Um, and I have no problem, you know, admitting that. But I will tell you this, um, you know, I've been in this business double digit years and I feel like just now I'm scratching the surface of of getting good and really seeing what, what being, uh, you know, a funny comedian is and, and uh, you know, a, a good comedian. Uh, or a funny person and a good comedian. And I know that I talked about that last time, but that what, what I wanted to really emphasize on this one more was don't feel down and judged and that you need to be getting something. You need to be at a certain place um, because that's what the thing is to do. No, everybody's got their own path in this business. Let it come to you. Um, that's how I feel. And, uh, you know, I, I got into it recently with a New York City comedy club. That they saw me kill a few times. Again, I can't mention names, but they saw me kill a few times. And were like, yeah, send your avails. You know, and I was excited. I want to be working there. It's a top club. And I sent my avails, and the guy's not booking me. And then I found out, yeah, he's not booking me either, this other comedian. So, oh, yeah, yeah, he's not really booking me either. And I'm like, what? I don't understand. And then I realized, wait a minute, you know, that's because, that's what's something that's going on with them that has nothing to do with what I'm doing. So I'm just going to get, you just get undeniably funny, you just get undeniably good, and now I'm starting to, you know, I'm starting to slowly work there. And, um, you know, and that's, that's, speaking of that, I actually am really excited about what's going on in my career right now because um, I went into a club the other night. And I did an eight-minute set, and about five of the minutes were, like, brand new, like, really new. And they crushed, you know, and it really worked, and it was just really honest and dark and things that I've never really were uh, ballsy enough or really wanted to dive into just because a lot, some of it's private, some of it, and I did it, and it just killed, and it felt unbelievably good. Um, so... You know, that's what I'm trying to do. Lose weight, grow a beard, and keep writing. I guess that's my strategy for the next couple of months until I get pissed off and down. And then all of a sudden the next podcast is going to be like, you know, maybe those people that are judging you are right. Fuck. <laughs> maybe you do suck. Uh, no, but that's uh, that was one thing that I wanted to talk about. You know, nobody could ever stop somebody... If they don't, if, if nobody could ever stop somebody who is just self-motivated and they, they have a path and they're doing what they want to do and they're never going to be derailed. You can't stop that person because they're just going to plow through it. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. I guess, I'm, what is this, a positive speech? What is this, the, the, I'm a positive speaker here on episode 28. I'm such a dick. Um, okay. Now, let's get into, I saw... I got a lot of stuff here, man. We got to talk about... I got I got some questions from fans. Uh, I'm going to go into the movies. I, again, went to the movies. I saw another movie. Um, episode 27 was Planet of the Ace. Episode 28, here's what happened. My wife was getting ready to go to sleep. She goes to bed early. I'm a comedian. I'm up all night. So I, once again, say I'm going to go to the movies. So I go to the movies alone at like 11 o'clock at night. I don't even feel like a loser anymore when I do it. I almost feel like it's like a private two-hour vacation for myself. And I'm like, what can I see? It's getting late. And I only had a choice of a few movies. I didn't really want to see Cowboys and Aliens just because I, I really didn't want to think that much. 
and I didn't want to watch Harrison Ford walk around with a gun holster around his waist and a cowboy hat and then aliens coming into the scenario. I just really wasn't in the mood to see that shit. You know, it's like, I just, it's a little much. It was a little much for that night, let's say. So, I'm like, alright, you know what? What'll pass time for an hour and a half? I'll go to see Final Destination 5 and just watch brutal killings in 3D while I drink a Diet Coke and eat Sour Patch Kids. That's what I was thinking. I was like, this this is maybe going to be fun. This should be a good idea. So what ends up happening is I debated. I'm walking in. I li- I'm literally walking into an IMAX 3D Final Destination 5 going, why the hell am I here? Why am I doing this? This movie is going to be god-awful. This is going to be terrible. First five minutes in, the acting is so bad. I'm just like, I can't even believe I'm doing this. So I'm like, all right, let me wait for the first couple of kills and see what happens. So um, I I watch like the first like scene where, you know, they have the premonition of something going wrong. They're on a bus on a bridge. And it just was so bad. And miraculously, I get a text message, and it was Joe Matarese on vacation with his family in Cape Cod. And he says to me, crazy, stupid love, way better than horrible bosses, movie of the summer, you have to see it. So I say, you know what, forget Final Destination 5, I'm walking out of this piece of shit movie. I grab my my soda, everything, and I see that crazy, stupid love is playing at 12.35. I didn't even consider it when I was there because I just, you know, another comedy with Steve Carell, you know, I already saw Horrible Bosses, but I was like, man, you know, people are saying good things. I go into this movie, it was awesome. It was an awesome movie, like, just story-wise, emotionally, funny as hell, comes together great, great acting. Um, Now, I won't say it's as funny as Horrible Bosses. I thought Horrible Bosses was funnier as far as, like, comedy parts, but I will say overall better movie, Crazy Stupid Love, and there are laugh out loud parts of it. Very, very good. I recommend it. Um, what's his name is in it? Uh, well, Emma Stone is in it, uh, that redhead girl who's in everything now. Um, she she was She's in the new movie, The Help. She was in Super Bad. She did that Easy A uh, movie. Steve Carell. I think that Ryan Gosling guy. And I'm not going to lie, man. Listen, I'm, I'm secure in my sexuality. You know, I'm not gay. But I will tell you, that dude is handsome as shit. Like, I was watching the movie going, Jesus Christ, that guy's good looking. Um, and then after, like, the third time of thinking it, then I was like, all right, you got to relax because now it's getting weird. But re- really funny movie. Uh, great acting. Great story. And um, I would definitely recommend it. Crazy Stupid Love. If it's still out in theaters and you guys could go see it, go see the movie. It was a great movie for your whole family. Funny as hell. And... Um, I enjoyed it. What else can I say? I don't want to give too much away, but it's basically about how Steve Carell and his wife um, are, you know, struggling, and, and she wants a divorce, and he's never pretty much been with anybody else, so he goes out on the scene and he starts dating. He's got no idea what he's doing when he's dating, and this Gosling guy sees him at a bar just dressed awful, not knowing what he's doing with women, not knowing how to talk, and, uh, you know, he kind of just... You know, it was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you can't get a girl like that. And he kind of reshapes everything that Steve Carell does. And uh, it got really, really funny and really, really good. So, uh, Crazy Stupid Love gets the Verzi effect 
um, you know, whatever you want to call it. Just thumbs up, great movie, go see it. Um, and uh, that was it. So go see the movie Final Destination 5. Um, do yourself a favor. If you want to go to see that movie, just take 15 bucks or 16 bucks. what you cost. You know what costs $16 to go into an IMAX 3D Final Destination 5? $16. Okay, after I got drinks, I felt like I was at a Yankee game. I got a soda, I got nachos, and I got Sour Patch Kids, and I felt like I was at a Yankee game. That's how expensive it was. Burn your money before seeing that movie. Terrible. And I don't know why... I do. You know why you want to do Because you want to see, like, somebody get, like, killed differently. That's why I saw all the Saw movies. Because I'm like, how creative are they going to get? Like, is a guy going to put his toenail in his mouth and it's going to be, like, duct tape wrapped around his foot and neck and then someone's going to hit him with a bat and it's going to make limbs fall off? Like, I just want to see how creative... <laughs> how creative they can get with this shit. And you go in and you just realize it's... That's why there's no actors in it. It's terrible. So, crazy, stupid love. Go see it. Um, what else? Uh, okay, now we will do... Now we will do... Oh, you know what? I'll plow through sports real quick uh, before I get to these questions. Sports. Okay, preseason football. Starting to really get into it. Starting to realize, holy shit, football's coming in a few weeks. Um, I'm excited about it, but... Just watching everything, I'm just starting to not know if the Giants are going to be able to, to do anything more and more. I'm starting to think that. And seeing how other teams are really playing good, it just lets you know. But you know what? Anything can happen. Um, and uh, I was watching something. They were talking about, they were talking on a Real Sports with Brian Gumble on HBO, which is a good show except for Brian Gumble's just look and demeanor and voice. But other than that, it's a good show with the stories that they talk about. And um, they were talking about something. Uh, they were doing this thing about, you know, Plaxico Burris, how, you know, he, he didn't realize he was shot when the gun went off and that he wants a second chance and he's not worried about his age and he didn't think he was going to go to jail and if it was any other state and all that shit, you know. And, you know, good luck to him on the Jets. You know, I, nobody got to see him with a preseason game. If he plays good, great. Um, I'm starting to like Rex Ryan, though. Even though I'm a Giants fan and Rex Ryan has a fat, loud mouth, you know what? He is actually, like, right on with what he says, and he motivates his team. And he's just like that fat, loud uncle, you know, who just yells shit, and you feel like, you know, he might be annoying, but it's funny at the same time. Uh, but anyway, uh, football aside, I'm excited for that in a few weeks. But putting that aside, they did a piece on how no tennis players from the United States are are good right now. It's all, you know, uh, Rafael Nadal from Spain and, and, you know, Roger Federer and, you know, just uh, that, that Djokovic guy and all these, like, players and, like, nobody in the U.S. The last U.S. Uh, to, win a, to win a big thing was, I think, Andy Roddick in 2003 or something. And they were like, why? And John McEnroe and his brother were trying to talk about how they could get tennis back and, and what to do. And McEnroe, uh, John McEnroe was saying that his brother Patrick McEnroe was wrong. Um, Patrick McEnroe thinks they should practice more and work harder. John McEnroe thinks they should be in all kinds of different sports and be able to just, you know, kind of do it the way he did it, where he was athletic, but he did a bunch of different things. And, and you know, almost like the way he lived his life socially made him good at tennis, where his brother thinks not. And it was just this good argument. But I was just thinking, and I was like, you know why tennis play And there's no flashy tennis players right now. That's why. 
Nobody gives a shit about... Nobody in the U.S. is watching tennis and saying, man, you know, to me when I watch that, I'm thinking about that guy driving an Escalade, that guy, you know, having all the girls in the world, that guy having all the money. Even though they make some money, nobody's thinking of that. You're thinking of running around, hitting with a racket. There's nothing flashy about it. And not that it has to be flashy. It doesn't have to be flashy, but that's just why... I think you don't have people in our country. You're not going to tell me you're going to look at a quarterback like Tom Brady walking around in leather coats with supermodels playing when you know on TV when 80 million people are watching a Super Bowl and then say, oh, you know what, I think I'm going to go into tennis. So what I think needs to happen is I think there needs to be a badass tennis player. Wouldn't that be cool? Like the Mike Tyson of tennis. Like the guy that just beats the shit out of you on the court you know, and then like after the game, nobody wants to say the wrong thing to him because he's just that fucking guy. Just that like star, but like a, a tough guy, maybe a little controversial. That's what tennis needs for the United States for somebody to be like, I got to watch this guy. Um, you know, that that I think that's what it's going to take for tennis to really, in this country at least, make people go, I have to, I don't care what is on TV right now. I don't care what football game. I don't care what baseball game. I got to watch what this guy's going to do on the tennis court. I got to see. This is going to be great. You know, and I hope he beats that guy from this country or that country. That's what it's going to take. A badass. And I'm hoping for it now. I'm actually rooting for somebody to come into tennis and just dominate. You know, um, that'd be awesome. But that's why I think they're like, well, why? How come? They're, they're like the big question is trying to figure out why. And it's like, what do you mean why? Because everything is LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, you know, all, all of these basketball players, Dwight Howard, Kobe Bryant, and in football, you know, just the all these quarterbacks making $20 million a year, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Super Bowls, you know, um, flashy guys, and then you got these guys that roll up in tennis, you know, and there's like they're they're not really vocal, they can't really talk that much, um, you know. You just hear them grunt when they hit the ball, and then they wave to that crowd. They hit a couple of balls and then leave. It's not it's not uh, it's not what our society right now is looked, you know, is look. There's no flash to it, you know. That's what I want to see. And when it comes, it's gonna be awesome. How great would that be to be like, yeah, I can't go out tonight. I gotta watch. So and so kicked the shit out of Yokovich tonight, or, or I want to watch Rafael Nadal cry after our guy beats the hell out of him in three straight, uh, three straight sets. Um, okay, that's it for sports. Um, now it's time to get to the fans, um, and this one is really good. I got a lot of questions. Um, I'm using three on this one. I'm using the three best ones. But if you sent them and I didn't use it, please keep sending them because I will definitely get to yours. Um, and this thing is getting really popular. I'm getting more and more questions each week. Um, and uh, I appreciate it. So the first question from the fans is from a new fan of, of, of the Verzi Effect podcast show. And uh, I told him I wasn't going to mess his name up. It's... Themistocles Alexis. Themistocles Alexis. I think I said that right. Uh, Themistocles Alexis from Montreal, Canada. Okay. Um, I guess he's heard the show recently. He likes it. Thank you so much uh, for listening. And uh, you had a great question. And his question is, 
um, which comedians am I friends with in the bit, you know, which comedians am I friends with and, uh, you know, and also is there like a unspoken bond that comedians have when they see each other, um, uh, you know, you know, that you could communicate with them anytime, any place. Um, you know what? I, that's a great question because I guess not a lot of people really know what that's like. They think comedians go and do their thing. Uh, yeah, to be to be 100% honest, there are people that you like in the business. There are people that you just deal with. And, and there's, you know, rarely people you don't like. You know, I don't think you're getting a lot of that. But there still is that thing of we have to go on stage, make people laugh right now. Okay, this is what we're doing, um, and and let's you know, and you kind of just like you can talk. You could hear somebody talking about a hell gig they did in the middle of the country somewhere, or you could you know talking about just how, you know, things went on stage. Whether it was somebody that they had to deal with in the crowd, or whether the 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 owner of the club was a dickhead, or the sound system sucked, and you kind of have that, you know, I guess camaraderie you know amongst comedians where you're like oh really oh that room you know did it suck yeah oh that sucks well at least you dealt with it that way you know and we kind of understand each other um so yeah there, there's just like we know what we go through you can you can talk to a comedian that you might not even be friends with but you know and then once you talk to them everybody kind of understands the ups and downs of the business and you can kind of have that um i guess you know what a really good example of it would be i think like when a runner in baseball or when a player in baseball um you know gets to first base and now they're a runner on first base um uh, and you know that little conversation that you see them have with the first baseman um some of them may be really good friends others you know just like hey no this is what we do you know, you kind of do that. Hey, what's going on? How's everything? Yeah, how's, how's things going? Good. Oh, I saw that you did this, or I heard that you did this. Congratulations. And uh, you go like that. So, yeah, there's definitely some sort of bond, um, unless you just totally don't like the person, in, in which case you pretty much just ignore each other, do your set, and leave. Um, comedians that I'm friends with, I'm, I'm very close friends with um, uh, Sean Quinn, He's a comedian from Philly who was in L.A. for a while, and now he's back in Philly. Uh, obviously, Bill Burr. Uh, Bill Burr has been a great friend to me, one of my best friends. Um, yeah, so I'd say Sean Quinn, Bill Burr, Paul Bond. Uh, he's a veteran comic from Long Island. I've worked with him a ton. Joe Matteris, um, I'm friends with. Adrian Appalucci, who was a guest on the show, uh, I'm friends with. So there's definitely a handful of comedians that, like, I, I call up. Now, when I say friends, I mean, I'm cool with everybody pretty much, but, like, friends to me is somebody that I could pick up the phone and be like, yeah, I did this gig last night in, in North Carolina, I got to tell you about. And, you know, and you just talk, and then you, hey, how's your family and stuff like that. So, um... You know, I hope that answered the question, but it's a good question because there is kind of there is kind of an unspoken bond there, and um, those are the people that I'm friends with, and also check them out because they're very very funny. So I hope that answered uh, your question, and I'm glad you're a new listener. I really appreciate your support. Keep checking out the Verzi Effect podcast. Uh, next question is from this guy. This guy is becoming a friggin' regular because his questions are so unbelievable. And this is the guy that is not a comedian and he asks questions like he is a comedian. Uh, once again, I think this is third or fourth appearance here on the Verzi Effect podcast. Kevin McLaughlin, 
who is killing it with the questions, from Beantown, Boston, Massachusetts, asked me, um, you've mentioned recently that you've been more aggressive towards hecklers. What's the most aggressive a heckler has been to me, and what did I do? Uh, great question, Kevin, and again, something people are interested in. The most aggressive somebody's ever been to me, I mean, I've seen like drunk people that you can't even take seriously because they're kind of like mumbling and saying stuff and, and, and you know, they're, they're so drunk that you can't even really call it aggressive. Even if they're saying something aggressive, you're just like whatever. Then you got the people that are fucking just, and women are worse. I mean, women are definitely worse. Women are the most... They, they heckle more than men uh, because when a dude heckles, it's like really more serious and it's very rare. When a woman heckles, she wants to just try to be smart or whatever. Um, the most aggressive somebody said, well, one time me and a woman got into it and I destroyed her and I destroyed her. I'll give you two. Both were with women. One, I was in some back room of a restaurant in Pennsylvania in a road that was like all, in the middle of nowhere. You know, it looked like they would just take you in the back, rape you, and not even have the decency to kill you. That's how fucking crazy it was. But it was a packed room, and they were a great comedy crowd. They were much smarter than I thought they'd be. And the stage was literally, like, three by three. I, it was like I was standing on a couple of fucking shoeboxes. And it was carpeted. It was a carpeted stage that was that small. So I'm up there, and uh, I'm not going to lie, I was killing the room. Like, I was, I did like 45 to 50 minutes of just popping the room, explosive laughs, claps. It was awesome. So during my whole set, I'm making fun of how small the stage is. Was it necessary for them to, you know, wall-to-wall -wall carpet this three-by-three? Three? Like, some guy actually had to, you know, do that and... Um, just making fun of the whole situation. I keep making fun of the stage and just going back to it. And then finally, this one lady who was definitely, you could tell she was, uh, you know, you could just tell she was, I think, cunty. She was in the back and she said something to me after 40 minutes of me mentioning it. And it was kind of funny what she said. I'll give it to her. She goes, it makes you look bigger. Okay, so some people are like, oh, you know, I'm five foot eight, whatever. That was pretty good. So, but what I didn't like was she did it so long after, she did it so long after I was making fun of the stage. You know, it was like, if, if she did that right away, that would have been like, wow, man, this chick is quick. But like, I'm doing it for like 35, 40 minutes, and then you say, oh, well, it makes you look bigger. Maybe she got, you know, drunk and wanted to do it. So then I look at her and I say, how about I pull my dick out and we see how big that is? And then the place is going nuts. And then she's going back, and, and then, then we're kind of going back and forth. And I just basically was like, you know something, man? And she just had this tone. And we were going back and forth. And she was like, oh, yo, it's my friend's birthday. Why don't you acknowledge it? And I'm like, you know, I'm just talking to her. And I'm like, why would I acknowledge your friend's birthday or because the way you're acting? And she was just so... F and I said, you know something, ma'am? I don't wish, you know, I don't wish any harm or death on you. But I, I just want you to get into a car accident. I hope you get into a fender bender. Just to shake you up and knock that fucking arrogance out of your voice. I said, you need to be shaken up, bitch. You need to cry. And the place is going nuts. And I did it with definite conviction. And she, oh, yeah, well, she said something like, yeah, well, I outwitted you. I go, you outwitted me. I go, you said something that I addressed 
for 40 minutes back and forth, and then you thought of it. I go, you didn't outwit shit. And then I just called her miserable. I just shit on her. And the whole place is going nuts. And then her friends, well, it was my friend's birthday. And I just said, whose birthday is it? And the lady looked, and just, I was just like, yeah, yeah, happy birthday. Like, like nobody cares. And I was like, it would have been better if your stupid friend didn't have such a big fucking mouth. And I just shit on her. And I just remember her getting quiet and, like, her party just, like, totally loving it. But, like, she just didn't even look at me leaving. I think she was really upset. I don't know if she cried, but um, I just shit on her. I mean, I just said that I wanted her to cry. She needed to be shaken up. Uh, she had arrogance in her voice. Um, and, and that was one that, that sticks out because I didn't stop. And I remember going back into my set and hearing people in the audience whispering, Oh, my God, that was incredible. So that, that's the one that sticks with me. Uh, and I didn't want to say that I wished her death because I would never do that on anybody. But I did want her, like I wouldn't have minded if she just like, if a car hit her hard, like T-boned her. And then there was like a couple of like 360s that her car did. And then she was just like hysterical crying and just like got humbled. That's what that fucking whore needed. Um, so that was one of them. And another one is... Um, Wow, I, you just brought me back. Did you guys feel that? How I just got you guys brought me back to the to the anger. Thanks, Kevin. Um, and then another one was recently. I think one that I talked about uh, recently was there was a girl in Caroline's on Broadway, uh, right there in uh, New York City, and she was talking to every comedian. And uh, I just got fed up, and she asked me how old I was out loud, and I go, and she's like, no, I'm just trying to get a gauge of, like, because I was talking about my wife or something, and I just basically said to her, I said, I know you don't hear this a lot because you're pretty, but it's not about you right now. Shut your fucking mouth, keep shoving nachos in your face, keep drinking your drink, and don't talk, because none of these people are interested in hearing what you have to say. Shut up, and she was like, wow, and I go, yeah, wow, and I just shut up, and she didn't say another word. Um, so that, that's how, you know, here's the thing. I am very, very easygoing and I'm sure you guys who've listened to my podcast or have listened to my comedy or have seen me perform live know that I'm very, very easygoing and I'm, I'm very nice and I treat people with respect and I treat people the way that I would like to be treated. That's how I live my life. That's how I'm raising my son. And that's the type of person I like to be around. However, when you disrespectfully just do something for your own selfishness and you try to make it I'm, I'm at my cost, you know, on my account, that's not going to happen and, and you need to be put in your place. Now listen, I've had people like kind of comment on things that I said and they make it funny and we laugh and go back and forth and I'll have fun with that audience member. That's different. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people that are, you know, malicious or they try to really be, you know, they try to get one over and think they're funny. Uh, that's bullshit. That's not something that I'll tolerate. Um, so I basically, to answer your question, I just shut them down as far as letting them know that I know what they're doing is because of their own personal weakness and that nobody's really interested and they need to shut up and then they back down. Um, hope that answers your question. Another great question. Um, and finally, uh, the last one is from New Jersey. Uh, Mr. Michael Kennedy. Mike Kennedy is actually um, a friend of mine who is friends with my, actually my wife's family. He is friends with, well, his wife is friends with my mother-in-law, and I met him through that. He's come to some shows, and uh, he is a loyal listener of the Verzi Effect podcast. So, Mike, thank you so much for the, um, thank you so much for the question. And uh, you know what? It was a really good question and worthy enough, even if I didn't know you. Okay, but I'm not going to lie. I need some points for my mother-in-law. 
I can't have my mother-in-law calling saying, hey, you know, my people are coming on your show, answer questions, answer the question, or I'm going to come over three days next week. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mike Kennedy from New Jersey asks, how do you prepare for a big show like Carnegie Hall? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, do you do the same, will you use the same stuff that, you know, basically what he's asking is, do I use the tried and true stuff that I know traditionally, or, you know, or will I do new stuff or how do I prepare for the show? It's a great question. Um, I'm, you know, I've opened for Bill Burr at big events like, uh, the, the New York Comedy Festival in 09 at Town Hall, which had 1,500 people. So I wouldn't want to go into this using, you know, similar material. Um, maybe one or two of those jokes, which I've really gotten right and has really been a part of like the arsenal may get in there i don't know yet because it's still months out but um i would say you know you don't i'm not going to do stuff that i know is going to kill i'm going to do newer stuff that is working really well just so you know the people that are there and um you know know wow you know he's working he's he's changing it up and it's still working well uh you know hopefully it does um so i'm not going to go and say um, I'm going to do jokes that I did years ago that are just going to kill, but I'm also not going to go there and I'm not going to do all brand new shit and test out Carnegie Hall. Um, and as some of you people know, I did that in front of 1500 people where I killed. And then the last joke of the night, I did something that I like wrote the night before and it basically tanked and it was just this weird, awkward, like, why would he do that? And, um, you know, it's funny now looking back, but, you know, so I'm not going to just go up there and have something that I don't know is going to work, but, uh, or, or that's brand new that I'm testing, but I'm also not going to go up there and do stuff that I know everything that I'm doing is, a is, has been, you know, done in, in a, a big show like that. So, uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I'm just going to put together, put together the pieces of something that I think will really, uh, you know, work there. I want to have a good time with it and, uh, you know, show show the people, you know, and I, there is going to be probably a lot of industry there and people, so I don't want them to see the same stuff too. I think when you do a big show like that, you have to worry about that because if somebody says, oh, yeah, you know, I saw a Verzi kill at that show, but now he's on this show and he's doing the same stuff, um, you know, I want I want them to see, wow, he's growing and he's doing new stuff, and when you see him, you know, you don't know what he's going to do or say. Um, so I hope that answers the question, and that's another, uh, that's another great question. Um, so thanks, everybody. Um, for the From the Fans segment. Um, please keep them coming, and I will definitely get them out there uh, best I can. And, um, you know, and it doesn't, listen, it doesn't have to be always about comedy. If you want to ask me questions about, you know, me being a dad or, or just other things or what I think about, you know, what's going on in the world, I'll answer anything um, that I think is, is a good enough question and something that I would like to address. Um, you know, again, don't ask me, do I like baggy jeans or skinny jeans? Although I will tell you that I definitely like them probably medium. Um, so there you go. I answered, I answered that question for you. Um, speaking of being a dad, uh, I'll let you guys in on a little secret. This is a little inside Bursey Effect podcast stuff that, uh, I won't tell many people, but some of you know I was uh, doing a show, uh, called the Stand Up Dads with a few other comedians and we shot some dates in Philadelphia and at Caroline's in New York City and some stuff at my house and some stuff with my son. And uh, the show has actually been restructured and I'm going to be changing it up a little bit and doing something different and new. 
and really exciting and um, when it gets going and it gets off the ground I will let you guys know but it's different it's never been done before and I'm really really excited about it um, my management kinda got involved and was like well let's do it this way you know we'll kinda keep what you had but let's kinda throw this in there and it was just like a light bulb went off and it was brilliant and I think something that uh, that that can definitely be be great and something that nobody's seen so that that's what I'm doing and uh, it has to do with me being a stand-up father and having a son at home and um, and you know what it's like to, to go through that so uh, it was kinda of put on the back burner for a while and I was getting antsy about it and now it's it's back and ready to go so uh, stay tuned for that you guys will definitely be hearing news about that um, okay plugs this week um, I will be going actually this is being uh, recorded right now it is 1015 on Wednesday so you guys probably aren't gonna get this until tomorrow um, or so I don't know if anybody will get to this show but where I will be tomorrow night is in Mystic Connecticut at Mystic Seaport I will be performing headlining tomorrow at uh, Latitude 41 which is a big uh, I guess uh, dinner and comedy show out there in Connecticut at Mystic Seaport I'm really looking forward to it they're giving me a beautiful hotel it's got unbelievable views of the water they got all these aquariums and stuff my wife and son are coming with me tomorrow so it should be a really really great time uh, my wife comes back from Chicago and then we are going uh, to Mystic Seaport and uh, don't think about coming to my house or robbing me because there will be people at my house. Um, we got some sitters coming over, bastards. No, uh, so I will be in Mystic Seaport, uh, Connecticut tomorrow. This Saturday I will be on the 10 o'clock show at New York Comedy Club working on my new stuff, uh, which, again, thrilled with. And uh, that's pretty much it, you know. Uh, the new material is what gets you off the ledge. You feel like shit. What's going on? This this sucks. I don't. I'm not getting better. I'm not good enough. Then you do a spot. You do four new jokes. They all work, and you were just like, I am going to the top. Okay, nothing will stop me. I'm better than everybody. My material is brilliant, and I'm doing this for a reason. So uh, I'll ride that feeling out for the next week and see what happens. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed episode 28. I, I really got to say that even me doing this this podcast, I think that uh, this uh, new segment that you got... Oh, my God. Once again, I forgot unacceptable. But did I? No, because I just remembered it. Unacceptable for the week. You guys got to start calling me out when I forget this damn unacceptable for the week because everybody likes it and tells me what they think is they think is unacceptable. And I always end up... See, this is what happened. It's almost like a set list of comedy where since I added the From My Fans segment, now I'm neglecting the unacceptable segment, which I hope is not going to happen when I have another child. <laughs> I'm hoping that my son Lucas will not be put, you know... On the back burner for a second, if my new you know son or daughter comes in the picture, I would never do that. But I thought it was a brilliant, uh, a brilliant way to uh, you know throw it in there because I just thought of it and I thought it was a great analogy. Okay. Anyway, unacceptable for the week. Golfers, okay, golfers who take fucking forever on the putting green. When they know the golf course is packed. You know these people, they read it 50 times like they're at the fucking Masters and they're going to make 800 grand if they make the putt. 
and they have like a 90 handicap. They suck, and they're just analyzing everything. They wear the whole outfit. It's like, dude, you suck, okay? You know how I know you suck? Because I'm here playing on the same golf course as you right now. That's how I know you suck. Look at the line maybe once or twice. Take like 15 seconds. Playing golf with these people, the worst. They take forever. They talk. They have no consideration for anybody else. Unacceptable. Call the ranger. I didn't do it. I didn't call the ranger last time because I just didn't feel right doing it because I'm not a bitch like that. But you know what? Next time, I'm calling the ranger. I'm going to be like, dude, there's a bunch of people in front of us right now that are acting like, you know, a, a car is on the line for a five-foot putt. And they end up missing it anyway, and then they talk about it. And I'm waiting in 90-degree weather because all I want to do is tee off. Unacceptable people who take forever at the golf course. I'm going to end it on that. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Keep the questions coming. I will update you guys on the next guests that are going to be on the show. And uh, I appreciate it. Um, until episode 29, I am Paul Verzi. This has been the Verzi Effect, episode 28. I am out of here. Have a great rest of your week and weekend, everybody. And I will see you next week. Later. Peace.